we're doing this <clears throat> series that we've started on prayer and we started with the way Jesus taught us to pray, our Father in heaven. And so uh, last week, Darren started us off and uh, Darren's here to listen to the preferred version of our Father. <laughs> we, had this, we had this short discussion uh, about it last week, but um, I'm now going to show you the uh, video of Andrea Bocelli singing Our Father in the Royal Albert Hall. And I want you to, I'm just giving these people time to get it up. I, I want you to really uh, just re relax in your seat. It's nearly five minutes, so you've got plenty of time to absorb this. And if you're like me, by the end of it, you'll just want to worship God. Deliver us 
Lord, we ask your spirit continues. To impress us with your glory, your power, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Amen. And so we reach Matthew chapter 6 verse 10 where it says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, last week we heard about prayer being a conversation with our Father, our Father in heaven. And uh, we have this conversation every time we pray. It's our privilege as children of God, as sons and daughters of the King of Kings, we can walk into his presence and just meet with him like a father, a good father, a loving father. You know, sometimes you can tell people's Christian background by the way they pray, and uh, you'll hear this quite often, oh God and loving heavenly father. Now, if you're an experienced Christian in interdenominational sort of cultures, You'll, you'll immediately know that that is a Baptist. See? They, they have that phrase. And what a good phrase it is. Our loving Heavenly Father. Do you think of God like that? Our loving Heavenly Father. We walk into his presence and we have a conversation. You know, and like... Most conversations, we don't start with, Oi, I need a fiver. <laughs> we come in and we honour who he is. We honour our Father, who's in heaven. <laughs> We've just been praying with people to have restored to them a sense of their sonship to have restored to them a sense of, I am who you say I am. So it's very relevant this now. Today, you as a child of God, if you are a child of God, you can walk in and have this conversation. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We have an intimacy and we have an understanding, at least some understanding, of the glory. You know, by the time you reach the end of that <coughs> video, if you're like me, you're wiping your eyes <coughs> because it's emotional. <coughs> God gave us music God gave us music and response to music. So it's not wrong to be emotionally stirred. You know, some people say, oh, it's just emotion. Hey, music is to be enjoyed, yeah? Oh, crumbs. <laughs> and what I would love us to really understand is that when we walk into 
God's presence. He enjoys us. You. You and you and you, all of us. And as we move on, what we find is in the way that Jesus taught us to pray, is we're still not saying, Oi, give us a fiver. We're still not there yet. We've walked into his presence with joy and peacefulness, not with fear and trembling. We've walked into his presence. We have come before our God, the Father who is in heaven, the one who defines the goodness of fatherhood, below which every father on earth fails to reach. However good your dad was, he's not as good as God. Which is quite a helpful thought for us flawed, flawed dads. But now we come on to your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In a sense, we're asking for much more than a fiver. What we're doing here is we're saying, Lord, what is your interest today? Lord, as I come into your presence, I, wanna, I want to be bound into your purposes. I want to be part of this family that has worldwide goals. I want to be added into your perspectives, what you see. I want to be joined to what you're going to do. I want to be part of this family and its success. It's a good day to talk about the kingdom of God, isn't it? Because, of course, on earth, when Jesus came and lived with us, he calmed the storm. Uh, that also was a joke. But it is great, isn't it, to know that this kingdom... Jesus came and expressed its power and its glory because he brought the kingdom into being everywhere he went. So it's good to define what a kingdom is. A kingdom is a place where someone's rule and authority is absolute. A king reigns. And so... It's the exercise of that authority that the kingdom is. The rule and reign of our God in any circumstance is the coming of his kingdom. He calms the storm. The disciples were amazed. They, they said, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. It's almost as if 
healing people of all their sins and of all their diseases, healing people in their minds was overshadowed by this control of creation. He speaks, and even the wind obeys him. This is the kingdom of God. The obedience, the obedience of all creation to him. This is the kingdom of God, the obedience of all creation, including humanity, to him. And so our question is today, do you ever pray for that? Do you ever think about it? Do you ever say, God, may your rule and reign spread? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This week, Colin sent me a little excerpt that he picked up a report of what's happened in the Rostov-on-Don region of Russia. And uh, it's very interesting. This lady had been fined 10,000 rubles for having a church meeting in a home. And, uh, you know, uh, the Russian laws about, uh, about religious meetings and so on are very complicated and are administered differently in different places and it's all a bit confusing but people just press on in Russia they just they just press on and so in this church they just pressed on they meet in this woman's house and they were yeah a house church (laughs) so they just met together and continued to meet together and uh, she got fined 10,000 rubles so the first hint about this of course is that 10,000 rubles is actually not a lot of money it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's not insignificant, but it's not a lot of money. So there was a sort of sense that they're, whoa, well, we're just fine at 10,000. And so she appealed. And she appealed all the way up to the Supreme Constitutional Court of Russia. And she won. Wow, she won. So the judges of the Constitution said it is constitutionally completely acceptable for a church to meet in a house. (laughs) Wow, amazing. Amazing. I tell you why it's amazing. Because Putin and his cronies want the Russian Orthodox Church to be totally the only religion in Russia. They'd like to get rid of all Protestants if they could. But politically, that's a bit difficult. So they screw down in laws and try and keep people like us under their thumb. And the Constitutional Court has just said, yet. Praise God. Slava Bogo. Praise the Lord. It's good for us. It's good for the churches associated with us because lots of them meet in homes. 
This lady had registered this church in her home, and so the Constitutional Court said, yes, registered in her home, that's fine. A church can be registered in a home. This is very useful for the church in Podolsk, where our team are going in April, because that meets in a building that you would look at and you think, this is a church building. No, it's not. It's the home of the pastor's wife. That's where, how it's registered with at the local council. That's how they got away with it, if you like, by registering this place as her house. And uh, so for years, this was sort of, was it legal? Was it illegal? What, what, what was this arrangement? Well, now they can be quite free and open. And of course, what it says is that the neighbours in Podolsk were happy to have a church next door to them. The neighbours in Rostov-on-Don were happy to have a church next to them. Nobody complained until someone came along and shot themselves in the foot by complaining because now it's completely legal. Franklin Graham, the son of Billy Graham, who runs campaigns to uh, see as many people saved as possible, he was going to come to England, or he may still come to England, but what has happened, of course, is that all the venues that they'd booked for him to speak at have cancelled him. They have said, yet. They have said, no. No meetings with this man will be allowed in our council area. Why? Because he's a Christian. Yes, and also because he believes in the Bible and the, what the Bible says about homosexuality. And probably worse, he's associated with President Trump. He advises President Trump. Which, of course, is completely out of the question to have him in England, after all. Which is the freer country. Isn't it interesting? Our societies are in a place of confusion. They've shot themselves in the foot. They're confused about everything. What it means to be human, for instance. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be male or female? What does it mean? We don't know anymore. We're not sure anymore. What's it, what is all this stuff? What is freedom of speech? Whose rights should be supreme when we talk about freedom of speech? Who is going to be most offended? And who has most threats surrounding such offence? What a mess. Do you pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done. What do you think God thinks? What do you think he thinks about our society in which we live? 
What do you think he thinks about Russian society? What do you think he thinks about American society? What do you think he thinks? Do you know? Well, pray for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. May the obedience to God increase all over the world. Pray for Christian influence. You know, recently, I've read, I've read two articles recently, seriously long articles in, the, in newspapers about Christian comedians. They suddenly sort of made a little bit of waves, haven't they? Christian comedians. They're sort of becoming, it's beginning to hit the consciousness of a lot of arts and media people that there are Christian comedians. How can there be Christian comedians? And so these articles interviewing these Christians have been very interesting. As these, uh, both men actually, but as these men make a stand in subtle ways within their career. One said that he was, uh, he had a long discussion with another comedian in their changing room after a, a, after a gig when this guy said to him, how do you make people laugh without being crude? How do you do it? I rely on crudity. Wow. Isn't it great to know that there are Christians doing that? Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done. When Jesus came on earth and walked on earth, one of the first things that happened in his ministry time was that the the enemy, Satan, tempted him. He went into the wilderness and he, Jesus was in the wilderness and, and Satan came to you. You can read about it earlier in Matthew chapter 4. And um, Jesus was tempted by Satan. And this, you've probably heard sermons about this. There's all sorts of stuff in these uh, few verses which can be interpreted in all sorts of different ways about what uh, Satan was trying to do, how Jesus responded. Jesus always responded by quoting scripture, uh, but I want to just pick up, you know, the, Satan said to him, you're hungry? Take a stone and turn it into bread. And Jesus said, you shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But what about us? You should, because all of this starts with us. If this kingdom is to be effective today, it starts with us. So what about us and bread? What drives your life? Does materialism drive your life? your next promotion, your next job, your next car, which of course in my case will be an Aston. That was another joke. (laughs) 
What drives your life? Or do you, do you say, Father, your kingdom come in me. Your will be done on earth through me. What a privilege, what an honour, what an amazing thing to pray. Then later on, the devil says, throw yourself off this high place. Go on, chuck yourself. You know God won't let you die. You know angels will come and hold you up. You know you'll be delivered like on a parachute if they'd invented parachutes then. You know... That was another joke I'm going to get through eventually. (laughs) You know this is what God will do for you. Do you have a mechanical view of God like that? If I do this, God will do that. That's not the kingdom. Jesus said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Tempt him by your self-promoting activities, by spectacularly presenting him with no option but to back you up. Is that how you view it? Do you idolise celebrity? Jesus would have been a tremendous celebrity if they'd seen him. Woo, look at that! And he just floats to the ground. Whoa, get that on the news. But sometimes we can idolise celebrity ourselves and want to be a... You'll have your five minutes. Is it five minutes? How many minutes of fame is it? The saying goes, 12 or something. Is it? Have my f- five minutes. Of, have my five minutes of fame. All these things can subtly weave into our lives and unless we consistently refer ourselves to the perspective God has on us. Unless we constantly say, no, 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 Lord, your will be done. Not mine. And then Satan does this amazing thing. He takes him up to a high place, and he shows him the kingdoms of the world. You know, I, I love to think of this as, as not being constrained by time either. He didn't just show him the environment of Jerusalem and the Middle East. He showed him every kingdom the world has ever known. That's what I believe that Bible is really implying. He showed him every kingdom. British Empire, American Empire, French Empire, Spanish Empire, every kingdom that's ever been. And he said, worship me and all these people will bow down to you. I'll give you power over all these people. Because, of course, he had the power, he thought. And Jesus said to him, no, I will only worship the Lord. Do you 
idolise political power. Maybe you idolise political power. Maybe you wish you were Prime Minister. Maybe you think you could do a good job or something. No, the issue is, will Lord Jesus, will the King of Kings lead you into politics? That's the issue. And so today we're looking at this, King of Kings, please, as you talk to him, say, your will be done, Lord. And of course, first of all, it's in our life, isn't it? First of all, it's in our lives. Because of course, this is a difference. Some people don't quite fully understand the difference between church and kingdom. Well, didn't Jesus come to establish the church? Well, yeah. Didn't he come to establish the kingdom? What is the kingdom? What is the church? Ooh. Well, Laura's yawning, so I better press on. <laughs> so the Christians gathered together in any area are the church. Okay. And the Christians, as they go about their daily lives, take the kingdom with them wherever they go. You take the authority of God wherever you go. So it's good to pray, isn't it? Don't you think? It's good to say, Lord, today, wherever I go, may I express the power, authority, and joy of living with you. A couple of Wednesdays ago at our pastor's prayer meeting, we talked about this. And we talked about how church should be so expressive of the joy of the Lord that as we go about our daily business, every Christian should express the joy of the Lord everywhere they go. Because in this clash of cultures that I talked about at the beginning, in this clash of cultures, one of the biggest clashes of all is this, that with Christ there is true joy. True joy. And in the world there is so much unhappiness. There is so much unhappiness. You should read the same paper as me, because there was an article, another one. Gosh, I spend a lot of time reading. And uh, yeah, there's this article by this woman who's become one of these gurus of fitness to celebrities. Yeah? You know that they're around these days. All these gurus with their fitness regimes for celebrities. And they make pots of money by telling celebrities obvious things. And the celebrities, she said, I have not yet met one who is happy. So for her, you know, it's a great market, isn't it? I can sell happiness through fitness, except it won't happen. Because the only happiness comes from submitting yourself to the one who rules. Thy kingdom come on earth 
as it is in heaven. It starts with us. But do you remember? You must remember. Because Christmas is only a little while ago. Do you remember what we say at Christmas? Do you remember that? For the government will be on his shoulders. Do you remember that? And of his government and peace, there will be no end. And Jesus came to fulfill that prophecy. And he came and he died to redeem you and me, but also the whole of creation, everybody will find themselves challenged by Jesus. And the whole of creation, Romans 8 says, the whole of creation groans. Doesn't it groan? On a day like this, it does certainly groan. It groans, waiting for what? For the revealing of the sons of God. For that day that's coming. When this world is wrapped up and thrown away and a new earth comes. Do you ever pray for that? Oh Lord, thy kingdom come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. It says at the end of Revelation. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Do you ever pray that? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Oh God, bring that future into the present quickly. And of course, right now, this is, this is what we're in. We're in this overlap. Because Jesus has already won the victory because he's already done it in our time and in our place 2,000 years ago. Because that victory is already won, there is a certainty that the future is already ours. And what happened when Jesus came was not that he came down from heaven because God was lonely. No, he came down from heaven because he wanted to demonstrate what would happen if the kingdom comes. So Jesus intervened into that time and place and brought that certain future into that time and place. So when he healed people, when he ceased the storm, when he did all those wonderful things that he did, he was bringing this perfect future, this wonderful, joyful, amazing future with God. He was bringing that into their present existence to show them. The kingdom is coming. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we live in this overlap of the ages. The age that was, the age of sin and decay and whole of creation groaning, of everything not quite right, of climate change, 
of ethical degeneration. Everything not quite right because people are following their rebellion against the ways of God. And we're caught up in that too. We are also a part of this, and yet we're also part of the future. Did you know that? You're part of the future. (laughs) There'll come a day when everybody who's ever believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be revealed. There will come a day when everyone will see what Jesus has done. And it's not just for them, but for creation as well. Creation groans and waits. Why? Because there's going to be a new earth and a new heaven. Isaiah prophesies it. He says that God says, Behold, I make all things new, a new heaven and a new earth. It's picked up in the New Testament. There is no doubt that there will come a day when there is a new heaven and a new earth. And on this new earth, God himself will dwell with us. Just like he did in the Garden of Eden, only better. No apples. (laughs) Oh, got a smile. So, there is this overlap. When we pray for people to be healed, what we're doing is we're saying, Lord, bring that future power and authority into the present. And one of the problems with great healing ministries is that they must have an understanding of that overlap. They must have an understanding that we wait for the future to be fully revealed. We wait for the future to have its full impact. We're still subject to the stresses and strains, the illnesses and sicknesses that have been part of creation's fall for centuries. And yet, God can break in, in a moment. And it's his grace and his mercy that does it. It's his initiative. There is no formula. I don't believe there's a formula. We just ask God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you pray that? Oh dear, I've gone astray. Right, okay, I've got it. We are in a position where we ourselves are part of the world's future. Where we ourselves can be influential in the world's future by just being obedient to his calling on our lives. Maybe you will be Prime Minister after all. Who knows? But you see, God's kingdom 
is an upside-down kingdom. It's a kingdom... They were arguing amongst themselves, who is the greatest amongst us? Isn't it funny how followers always do that? You can read lots of history and you'll discover that followers always do that. Argue about who's greatest, below the great guru, of course. Below the great one. There's a sort of level of discipleship below that, where they all argue amongst themselves. And the disciples argued amongst themselves. And Jesus broke into that and he said, no, whoever amongst you who wants to be great, you will find that greatness by being a servant. You can read about it in Matthew 20. Whoever wants to be great amongst you must be your servant. It's an upside-down kingdom. God uses those who are looked at as poor in the world, as weak in the world, as nobodies in the world. God uses those people to bring about his purposes because it's an upside-down kingdom. That includes you and me. Because none of us in this room, as far as I'm aware, are celebrities in this world. Are we? Is anybody here? I don't see the celebrity cameramen around the place. So probably not. Which is a good thing because God uses us. Your will be done. in my life as it is in heaven. And this this prayer will go on now to talk about our needs and our claims on the Lord for our needs. But right now, today, I want you to Think about this. How often do I really pray? God, I want to get into your perspective. I want to understand how you see things. I've come, Father, into your presence. Now teach me what it is for your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let him teach you in a conversation of prayer and how you fit in to these eternal plans because of the increase of his government there will be no end. And it's happening now. It's happening around us. It's happening in countries all over the world. It's happening You may not hear it on the news. You may not see it when you visit those countries, but around the world, everywhere you go, the kingdom of God is increasing. Praise him.
Lord, we come before you today and say, God, we thank you that you rule and reign, that Jesus won the victory, that we can draw the future into the present with our praying. And Lord, we, we pray that as, as we reach out to you in conversation, you will reach back to us. Thank you, Lord, for answered prayer. Thank you, Lord, every prayer is heard and responded to, that you are not deaf to us. Thank you, Lord, that you hear us when we pray. So, Lord, help us. Help us to pray for your will, because we know a bit more about what that means. Help us to pray for your will to be done, because we know a bit more about the impact of that. Lord, help us as we pray to you, as we ask you, your kingdom come on earth. In Jesus' name. Amen.